Hello everyone, I'm your Dungeon Master, Marcus, and with a busy week for us ahead, we thought we would share our thoughts on Season 1. Moments we loved and hated, thoughts on what we did well and what went poorly, as well as some lore discussion on notable characters that you may have forgotten or may have not even met yet. So, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. So who wants to start us with Moments We Loved? Uh, I, I'll go first. Um, yeah. I, I like to talk. Um, <laughs> moments that I loved. Uh, I know this is weird, but Theo uh, getting his arm blasted off. I, I know it's weird to say that I love that moment, but I thought that it was just really, like, you did an excellent job, like, setting it up and narrating it as a DM. So, And I, I also thought that it kind of was needed maybe in a way for Theo's character development, you know? Um, like I said, I know it's weird to say, like, oh, I love the moment where my character got maimed <laughs> forever. Um, but I thought that that was one of the biggest moments uh, in the episode, or in the first season anyway. Um, I also really loved Mo and Theo's interactions. Like, the whole concept of it is like, I always think about this and it makes me smile because I think about when Theo was drinking way too much. Mm. He's hung over at the bar in uh in uh Vallaki and Theo or uh Mo is like the first one to come down the stairs and he's just like, Oh god. I know he's gonna come over here and say some weird stuff in my ear and I just don't know that I can handle it right now. And of course Mo comes over and just says the most like out of bounds from left field stuff, but those interactions I thought added like a lot of brevity to an overall like kind of dark situation, you know. I I don't think it's weird to think that the arm thing is a good part because that was probably one of my favorite parts in all of season one was Theo losing his arm because it made it feel like there was like true and genuine stakes mm. in the campaign, you know. Um, cause I don't know, there were so many times that our party just like cheated death, avoided death, got out like scot-free and for Theo to just, even though he had his, you know, his racial trait for him to still fully thank, lose an arm. Thank the gods for that. Yeah. That was yeah. huge. Otherwise he would be dead. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else would die. And that's yeah. the thing is like, yeah, you had your racial trait, but for Marcus to have the quick thinking of... Yeah, you have the racial trait, but let's put some real stakes in this game. You still get maimed by it, you know? Because it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I didn't know Scarlet wasn't going to die in that moment. So for me, it was just like, oh, okay, Scarlet is dead. Oh, immediately, no, she's not dead because Marcus has this cool idea. Mm -hmm. But then goes to you and it's like, oh, your arm? No, it's fucking gone. Yeah. Like, there's stakes. Yeah, that was, and that was my whole point, is, like, just the way it was structured and everything like that, Marcus did mm -hmm. a fantastic job. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, uh, those are probably my my two favorite things from season one, and, and not just, like, moments or whatever, but, like, Mo and Theo's whole relationship uh, from Theo just being, like, the sword, like, and growing to, like, care about this person you know this piece of ethius this like have god type person you know to really try to understand them and i feel like you're gonna see more of that like of theo trying to make that connection 
coming up, you know, in the season as well. Mm-hmm. I personally really liked the arc where we were at the the Abbot's place. Um, I feel like there was a lot of character exposition and development in that arc, and um, even not not just when we were at the Abbot or Abbey place ourselves, but like in the town too. Um, and yeah, we had some very emotional moments. I think that's the closest I've come to crying. Um, but yeah, and then also just all of our shenanigans. Yeah, it was at least dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Our favorite thing so far, the most dramatic things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's those, like, deep, like, role-playing, like, moments mm. where you just truly feel immersed in your character. Mm-hmm. It becomes less about the dice and more about, like, you actually playing the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, stuff I loved... Hmm. I mean, I really liked how every time anything related to Tori in season one would come up, we got denied it by Tori herself. Like, <laughs> and like, like, because I was always more interested in everyone else's shit, to be honest with you. And Tori like was rock Jesus and just didn't care about that. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I would. It wasn't. Of, it wasn't Tori's arc, though. Ye, it yeah. can be well. You would get like crumb fed stuff though like yeah. even back before season one and it doesn't have to your... be like a whole a whole thing doesn't need to be a single character's arc like you can throw other character arcs in it, too and I did mm-hmm. there was but Tori's a very closed person so she was you were like no I don't want to talk about it yeah I, I thought it made sense but it was just very like but now she's in a situation where she has to mm-hmm. it's like, that's, what, that's your favorite thing <laughs> yeah my, my favorite things are things that don't get answered <laughs> because I, I care about that you know what I'm saying like we're finally getting answers to Tori now so it's like the, people will never even yeah, like understand but that the anticipation it's good yeah right? I, I got it the yeah. crowds like anyone starting on season two they're not getting it but um I like the Amber Temple a lot too mainly because I like the thought of characters doing bad things like and I, I think it's like you should like you should absolutely be tempted by power mm-hmm. and like the anyone, fact that all of us anyone, were successfully well, tempted and, well and like no, we weren't like one of us walked up and t- I touched it randomly and then I was like well I didn't get shit but like <laughs> and then everyone else was like well maybe we'll get shit and then everyone did it and then people got stuff and Nico was immediately like I should touch another fucking thing because I didn't get nothing but bad and everyone talked me out of it I don't like, know losing your teeth was one of my favorite moments of the campaign I thought it was funny Theo, Theo's, oh, just, yeah. Theo's just scared everyone of fire now like that, that's what he got from Tori the temple was fear of fire <laughs> Tori has an eye on the back of her neck we never talk about that yeah Scarlet, who's, who's looking through your neck Scarlet Scarlet's just like an absolutely spoiled brat and does not like taking no for an answer because of that which I feel like out of all of us, you got the best deal. <laughs> I died! And I still, to this day, want to go back and touch that rock. Like, there's not any other rock that would have been better for Nika. It, there, there's something that's really funny about about thinking about Nika being like, huh, I'm a lich now. What do you know? Like, <laughs> like, oh, that one, that one wouldn't have done anything. I want the rock that boosts your charisma by four. Uh, <laughs> like, I'd be at a 22 charisma and I'm a sorcerer. We would never have to fight ever again. We're just like, talk to Nika. He's. I don't. I know she'd still be better at talking to people. I just get my spells off a little bit. Uh, oh, that's right. Because your charisma is your uh, modifier. charisma is my damage thing. But yeah. she's she's the talker. 
Um, the uh, Scarlet, I mean. I only got Spider Climb, man. Got, <laughs> spider Climb is dope. I, yeah, I, got a limited, so I got a limited use of Cone of Cold, which is cool, but also fire scary. <laughs> like, I, got, you know, I got like the best thing objectively, yeah. but no one knows in the world. So yeah. Nika's just over there like, no, like for real, objectively, with your abilities, you have the most broken of all yeah. of ours, but no one knows yeah, it. But Nika doesn't know that. No <laughs> but um, my my favorite moment in the campaign was the horse scheme. <laughs> because like it it was one of those outside looking in, like you're like, this could only go wrong. This can only go poorly. And everything went so perfectly. We made so much money and then it went poorly. <laughs> no, it didn't go poorly. Because I, we got Exactly We stole Strahd's money. But then it ended up not going poorly. Yeah. <laughs> the the my my dad DNA was uh-huh. just like sc- screaming. <laughs> The entire, like, what are you doing? The amount of time. What are you doing? I know. Where it's just like people would walk by and be like, wow. Like in the party. They're like, huh. That's a cool looking horse. I wonder where Scarlet and Tori are. And like. Tori's over here insulting Strahd to his face, like just ready to die because she just wants to make this little puny vampire feel bad. I feel like that's Tori. Tori is ready to die. Like, she's just like. Yeah. But ride she or die, will get the ready last, to die. Don't, she will like, get the last insult in. Oh, well, yeah. Also, the moment that kind of, like I said, I didn't necessarily love the whole arc of the thing, but the butterfly with Scarlet when Nika um, was like a monster and Scarlet was in a full state of panic, like fully disassociating. It's like pretty much catatonic. Yeah, right? it was yeah. like, and that's why I didn't necessarily love the arc because it's like, yay. Trauma. More trauma for Scarlet, you know? Because <laughs> she had enough of it in season one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone being like, Scarlet, you didn't kill your boyfriend. He's right there. This horrible abomination. And she's like, no, oh, it's not my boyfriend. What are you talking about? She's like, whatever. And turns the creature into a butterfly. And you're like, oh my god, Scarlet, your boyfriend's a butterfly now. And she's like, no, you're lying. It's like, no, for, actually, for once, we're not. You turned him into a butterfly. Now it's got a frill. Look right there. Look right there. You're on candy camera. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's there's a lot of beauty in those moments too because it, like it is a silver lining kind of like type of situation like being being put in super super dark traumatic stuff but finding the brightest light you can. Mm-hmm. You know that I really like those moments too. Yeah, that was super fun. I love looking through your guys' things. <laughs> yeah, I, I really Tori really enjoys stealing. Or not is that stealing, a Tori thing, or is that a? <laughs> I don't do it with any of my other characters. Okay. Yeah, that's fair, fair. fair enough. Tori does. It's, it. it's the rogue. I know. Yeah, you, I get it. Do, you I'm doing the fucking rogue. You do and you take rogue to the most rogue it can possibly yes. get. Why? Why wouldn't I? I don't have any other chance. <laughs> I didn't know that turning into a giant badger was a rogue thing until you started doing it. Oh, it's not. That's a druid. <laughs> That's thing. a druid. But rogue she makes thing. it a rogue thing. <laughs> I'm gonna turn into a giant badger mm-hmm. and play this drum mm-hmm. and act like nothing has changed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the Feywild was crazy. That was really fun. Hmm. Oh man, I just remembered uh, the 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 what was it called? The skizzard? The, the oh the, the, oh, the, the lizard? Loach. The, loach. The, loach. the loach? The loach? The loach? The loach? Oh my god! The, the lizard and the roach? The skizzard. The skizzard. The loach? Technique. The loach? Yeah. 
The loach was good. And, and Nika being like, oh, she's doing the loach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, classic Tori. Classic. Classic Tori. Yes, and. Yes, and. Always mm-hmm. yes, and. With, with, with Nika and Tori, it's, it's yes, and. Mm-hmm. Stab. And? And? Stab. <laughs> yes. And? Stab. <laughs> You're learning the game. Oh, my God. That's how it was. That's how Tori taught me yes, and. Oh I say gosh. something. Stab yes. and? Stab and. Stab. Yes Stab and. And. <laughs> and you take their things. And then you mm-hmm. take their things. <laughs> Don't worry about the jewelry. Take the books. The books. The information. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> We you take my jewelry. We don't want your jewelry. Where's your encyclopedia collection? Give us the scrolls, bitch. Money's <laughs> <laughs> um, worthless. What about you as a, as a DM? Yeah, what is your... Oh, you, you get I to mean, contribute, too. I mean, yeah, I know. But, like, as the DM, it's hard to pick, like, one moment. Because, I mean, you well, facilitate you all of them. And so it's like... I don't know. I, uh, I think any moment that... Strahd showed up to just be a bitch. God, he was. To j- just be a bitch. Like, he wasn't there to fight you and fuck up your day. He was just there to be a bitch. Um, he sucked. He did. And the thing about it that I think I loved the most was taking the most beloved D&D campaign. And I don't mean this in a genuine way. Like, I actually enjoy, like, shitting on things. But I just love taking a big old fat dump all over this campaign. Because it was not run by the book whatsoever. And so for me, like, if you run, if you love running things by the book, that's great. But for me, I love going abstract with it. So, like, when I see certain things in the book, like, uh, what, God, what was the, um, <laughs> the, the church moment? The, one of the first moments in the campaign. I don't think we were recording at this point, but you literally <laughs> go into Father Donovan's church and you're like, where's your son at? And oh, son's yeah. like a horrifying vampire. In the and like, basement, well, yeah. Nothing we can do about that, father. And he goes, all right, guess I'm going to go kill him. And y'all are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, Scarlet was like, I'll just feed them blood. He's hungry. And then everyone was like, what yeah. the fuck did you do? The dad, the dad woke up today and said, if no one can help me today. I'm going to fuck you off my yeah, son. I mean, I'm, I'm running yeah. out of options here. <laughs> yeah. And he can only last so many days. <laughs> and there's moments like that that, like, you know, you go back and you see it's by the book, and you're like, okay, I can't just take that out because it's too, it's too good. Mm-hmm. Like for the story, it's too good for this priest to kill his vampire son in this horrible town, but for the party to have a vampire in it and not really feel sympathy for the priest, yeah, and be like, your son's just a person, dude. Like, his <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down here, like, oh, I've got some. Spare blood. Here you go, friend. Yeah. Um, Didn't kill him anyway. No, I left him chained up down there because I couldn't bring myself to do it, yeah. and uh, I told him that we'll find a cure, and then we never did. Legend. Nope. Legend says it's still there, <laughs> waiting on us to come back. Yeah. His body is. That's for sure. Incomplete <laughs> um, Skyrim quest. But like, there's there was moments like that that was by the book that I was like, absolutely, and then there was other moments that were like supposed to be by the book that I was like, absolutely not. Like. Uh, <laughs> Like, a lot of the mongrel folk stuff, you guys were supposed to be attacked by mongrel folk, like, every five fucking seconds. And I was like, that's not fun. Like, dungeon crawls are fun. But what would be more fun in a mental hospital? I don't know. Scary, spooky horror house. Mm-hmm. And so, like, moments like that I love. Now, like, to say, like, the, uh, the boss fight afterwards was fun, I can't say, because, to be honest, that boss sucked. Um, but, I don't know. Cool way to introduce lore, you know? Yeah. So, moving on from moments we loved, we will now transition to moments we hated. 
Um, listen, I'm just gonna speak up as the editor, and so I have to just take the big L here. Um, pretty much the whole first five to eight episodes, I, with some exceptions, I just found on re on like a, a, a rewatch, like a re-listen, to be agonizing. <laughs> like as as someone who now has had like 40 episodes of editing experience, going back and listening to our first few episodes, the first one in general, like I don't even feel good about promoting season one <laughs> to people because of how embarrassed I am at the quality of my editing because I was so new to it. And, you know, obviously we all had our own reasons that we probably could have improved in season one, but as the person who does the editing with no experience, and now the experience I have, it is so, so jarring to hear the difference between the first episode of season one and the first episode of season two. Mm. And if I could go back and do it over again, I would just you know, either A, tell people to just not even listen to the first few, or, you know, if I could, I'd re-edit all of them, because there's so many things I would have preferred to do, and not even just editing, like, you know, we were all getting our feel for podcasting for the first time and recording a, a, a real play podcast. We didn't go in with any planning. We were just like, our, pod, our, our campaign is so fun. I bet it would be fun to just upload it so we have it for the future. You know, like, we didn't make this for anyone other than ourselves. Yeah. We recorded this and put it in a podcast form for the sole purpose of being able to re-listen to it in the future because this is a group of very close friends. And, like, obviously now it's super cool that we did because Alex has moved away. You know, Sophie has moved away. You know, you may or may not be in Mississippi. You, Lily, are going to probably end up moving at some point. So it's like, this is going to be such a great resource for, for at least me to be like, wow, this is some of the most fun moments I had with my friends and always be able to go back to that. I so, definitely feel the same way. It's a definitely like a time capsule yeah. type of situation as well. Um, I, and just to add to your point, I, I, I do think that we were still very much trying to find our, like, our pace, mm -hmm. you know, as a group and stuff like that. It takes a little while to, to really, and, and it is like, it is role playing. You are performing in a certain way and it takes a while for like chemistry to evolve and like, and now you go. And then that's when, you know, like, especially that in a kind recorded of like, setting. It, yeah. An innate kind of like instinct when it comes to playing with other people. I think that the moment, like, I just hated Strahd. Like, I hated him. Like, I really, really did. Not even as just, like, like Theo, really, like, as a person, genuinely insufferable. Fucking awful. Yeah. Hate. And I know, like, and I know that you're really proud of that. because I, that you, I really am. I'm you not already even said, lie. like, I love being a little bitch with Strahd. Like, yeah, I love know, being a little bitch with Strahd. Strahd. He's one of my favorite villains I've ever played. Um, and I think adding the, you know, the homebrew aspect of, like, oh, by the way, he's got your uh, son. And, and uh, he's torturing him. And he's been, like, real... Real bad, 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 bad little boy. And you know he's being I mean? feared towards uh, Scarlet, trying yeah. to snatch her yeah. up. It was all creepy. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm glad we... It's like it doesn't have to be a specific moment. I'm glad we established that mm -hmm. because 
I ju- I hated the shallow Shadowfell. I hated Strahd. Everything was bad. Theo drank way too much. Zeligor got freaking kidnapped. You know what I mean? And and Mo, Mo died. Mo got killed. Like the whole. It was. It was. And I I I went into that fight with Strahd, knowing that like I could die. Theo could die. It will be worth it if Strahd gets his just desserts. You know. Um, Hated Strahd. Couldn't stand him. Still, I'm mad just thinking about him. Yeah. Kind of wish he would come back to life so I could beat the shit out of him again. You know what I mean? Like, Give it time. So, <laughs> no. no. Do you guys actually want to know a secret about well, you, the uh, epilogue to Curse of Strahd? Well, yeah. After about, I don't know, enough time for everyone in the realm to finally be at peace and regain their sense of, of reclaiming the land, the mist slowly encroaches back in and a lone stranger rides in a, on a black horse wearing a red cloak with white cuffs. I that's not me. That's by the book. Is Strahd it really? Comes Strahd comes back. How? Because he can't. It's his domain. Yeah. He's not just a man. You it's can't. Just, it's, it's like you Dra- can't kill him. Dra- he's like yeah. Dracula. No, it's so so. You can't kill him. So he's like the the vampire of all vampires, yeah. right? All right. Well, here's the thing. Epilogue to the epilogue. Scarlet. <laughs> you guys can totally go back Scarlet's, and kick his ass again. Scarlet's gonna go in and be like, "How many times do I have to teach you this lesson, old man?" I just want you to think about. And then about she's that. gonna keep the throne. And I'm whenever, right. whenever he comes out of that fucking mist, she's gonna punch him no, in the no. face. When he comes back the next time, we keep him. Yeah, that's you're right. right. Well, you're right. The thing. <laughs> Just I want like you I to think. Give on. <laughs> I mean, thought you had to teach you this lesson, old man. I want you to think it's that like, next time, though, he's going to be probably married. Yeah, well, fuck him and his wife. No, no, we will be dealing with her before that. She's on the hit list. She's still out in the wild, wild west, isn't she? She's still out there. She's on my hated list. The fact that we failed oh, miserably yeah. at stopping Don't that worry. situation. We could not stop Kesemir. No. It was like the dice fucked us. Yeah. yeah no we, one, we had a whole turn to get on We have to like one shot remedy that. Like, there's so many loose ends that need to be repaired. Yep. But you did, I mean, to be fair, you did restore the Skull of Argonvoss, so you technically do have, like, a beacon of hope and allies. Yeah. And you also have, uh, Ismark, mm-hmm. still, who's still around. And and all the, uh, bird people. Yeah, and the abbot, if he's still there, God bless, you know, whatever. Do you think we could get Mordenkainen to come back to the Shadowfell? Not no. a million years. <laughs> you couldn't pay him. Absolutely not. I think my least favorite part was how, kind of going off of yours, how um, just down, you know, sad the shadow fell got. Because, like, I love D&D in that, you know, you can have those sad moments, but you still have, like, good moments, and it, it balances out. I feel like the shadow fell was a little too heavy on the bad, and we did have those good moments, but... And we, especially at the end, we got a little bit better at um, balancing that a bit better. Um, but yeah, I think that was in kind of just something I didn't like at the beginning was just how depressing it could be. Is that the sun? No. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I think something else I, I'd have to hit on that I hate that got remedied so instantly by Marcus that I have to actually thank you for it 
is that in the beginning, when you were playing a little bit more by the book, our travel time, like we really had to take the time to spend <laughs> weeks traveling yeah. and all these random encounters and stuff. I mean, it's a sandbox D&D game. I'm well aware, like, it's going to evolve every time, you know, like... I've played it once before, never to completion, and it was nothing like this. Like, all the encounters we did, maybe except for one, I didn't do in this campaign, you know? Like, we mm -hmm. took the whole different sandbox route the, the last time I played a few times in. The only place that I went was Argon Vosthold, both times. Oh, wow. That's yeah. the only place that I went more than once outside of, like, major cities, you know? Um, so I get the sandbox nature of it, but for so much travel to exist in, in a game like that to the point where there's like a random encounter every like 20 minutes, it feels like when you're traveling over those vast distances, mm -hmm. you know, playing by the book, like, you know, like one of the reasons I said the whole first five to eight episodes, obviously there's really good moments in those episodes, but like. You know, comparatively, like, as soon as you made the switch of, like, oh, no, we're going to fast travel this travel, like, really hitting the good points of the sandbox, that it immediately became better to me, yeah. rather than the slog that the original sandbox was built to be. That's, because yeah. that's one of the reasons, like, yeah, I talked about editing a little bit, but it's also the con, like, the content in the first, like, the pacing, five to eight episodes, you know, it was, like, mm -hmm. Because it was so like, oh no, there's the like eight random encounters you got to go yeah. through to get to these two places. It was like, dear God. <laughs> I will say, I will say that one of the things that that bring is the werewolf situation, and that was fun. Yeah, that would see. That's one's like, there's yeah. good moments, you know, or like the fashion show was so fun. It was just like a little. I totally forgot about <laughs> the little yep. little fashion show with uh, star. the star. Yeah. You know, it was cute. Just a nice little like break from the from the horrors of the Shadowfell, but you know. They were far and few between those moments. To me, like, just real quick, this is my final point on that. Like, when you compare this to something, and I'm just going to use Icewind Dale because it's been fresh on our minds lately. When you compare something like Curse of Strahd to Icewind Dale in terms of, like, the open world sandbox aspect of it, I would rather do the travel and encounter and survival aspect in Icewind Dale because the entire book is built for and that. And it there's layers to the, it. And there's, there's layers to it, right. Versus with Curse of Strahd where it's like, hey, does this travel mean anything? No, just means you gotta get from A to B. Yeah. Whereas Icewind Dale, it's like, does this travel mean anything? It's like, yeah, you could freeze to death. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you gotta see if you don't die. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I think after like a few moments of travel, it's like, yeah, nah. I mean, one moment I did hate was when that witch showed up to kill Zelagor, and I took her out like nothing. I took yeah. her out like nothing. I fucking like, it's hated like, that. It, it's, it, it's, it was the hype? I took her out. Well, we, it, wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just me. Everyone, everyone got to hit her before she got a turn, and then it was my turn. I took five shots on her, and then she went down. No, I, I really hated that encounter. Not And it was, in, it, it was one of those moments where, after the fact, you literally looked at us, and you were like, I was not expecting you all to take her down quite like that, you know? No. And as it was someone, pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. As, I think you critted twice. Uh, yeah. I critted. Yeah. Or you critted. You, critted, critted. Like, more you also critted. critted. But, like, critted. as someone who DMs, like, I understand the frustration of feeling like, you know, you get those moments where your party just comes in and absolutely curb stomps your big bad and you're like, well, oh, you know? Yeah. And like in that moment it was like, oh, well no, she's just fucking dead. And, and the I, thing is, is like I had plans to bring her back because like she's not dead. Yeah. No, and I'll go ahead. I'll admit that now. She's not dead. She's a witch. She has ways. 
Um, I mean, for she repaired her voice box with God knows what. Um, but the thing with her was when she was defeated there, I was like, okay, we'll re-strategize. We'll make her more powerful when she comes back. But then, unfortunately, Alex left, and I was like, okay, well, this character is literally, like, only after Zeligor. Mm-hmm. So, adios. <laughs> No, it was just because it, uh, it was such an awesome entrance. It was mm-hmm. the coolest entrance. She was the coolest bad guy introduced. She was cool with the Strahd. She, she showed up. She, she, showed up she flooded blood, the streets yeah. with blood. Like, it was sick as hell. Strahd was a bitch compared to her. And, like, she shows up and, like, I mean, we... I'm ready we, to go to bed. We took, <laughs> <laughs> we, took her, we took her seriously, you know, and, like, yeah. everyone we, took her out. <laughs> dude, I, to this day, I'm so fucking pissed when I do the re-listen that I pounded a long... A potion of long rest before that because yeah. I used one spell. That's the yeah. thing too. You, Dude, you, you like you, gave us a bunch yeah. of shit before, and we you started. hyped it up like it was some big fight, and I was like, oh my god! So it I was took supposed to be. <laughs> I know, and so I took this potion, fully wasted a potion of long rest that yeah. I would have loved to have at any other mm-hmm. moment in that campaign, and it frustrated me to no end when you were like, it's dead, and I was like, are you, are you fucking serious? And it's like I know now you're like. You know, it's more like how I, I DM now, where it's like, oh, you think it's dead? Actually, it's got another 100 HP because you guys are absolutely breaking its... its yeah. Like, you know, like... Because that's how I do it. If you guys are bodying something so badly that it's like, before one round of combat can end, it's going to be dead, I'm like, actually, it had 250 HP and not 100... So. Because I said so. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you need to, because sometimes yeah. your party gets... So powerful. We were OP there for yeah. for a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. you it made us powerful. Yeah. I did. It's but, fun though. But and the reason there was actually kind of method to the madness because like I wanted you guys to actually swamp things for a little bit to show you what it's like to be in a world with unlimited access to magic items because that's the homebrew that I made. Because one of the biggest stigmas that a lot of DMs do, they're like, don't overuse magic items. You don't want to do that. You'll break your world. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but you can you can counteract that shit. I also feel like it's kind of the whole point, though. Exactly. Like, magic items are the coolest fucking thing. But, like, you catch 22 that is, like, in the moment, I hated that. But, like, in hindsight, I don't. Yeah. Because, like, I like the thought that, like, I mean, yeah, you walk up, like, big dick and hit Monsquad's gonna take you out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're monsters. I also feel... We're not normal. We're not normal D&D party. Like, it's kind of like Nika, Nika, his own backstory, like, he, he can walk in and kill 20 people. Like, even if they're trained. Like, that's what he's capable of in his story. And that's what Theo's capable of. Even Scarlet, who was, like, our good character, is the mother of blood or some shit now. And yeah. like, you know what I don't saying? know like, what that means. And Tori, dude, Tori's, like, the silent fucking, like, serial killer, yeah. like, type. That, like, you, she could Jesus. just be behind you and just snap a neck. And then she's she, literally and going through your she's thing. X-Man. Yeah. She's you know, literally going through your stuff right now. Exactly. <laughs> She's going through the viewer's items right yeah, now. Yeah. Look in your bag, you're missing something. And it makes a yeah. lot of sense because that wish turns up and is like, I'm here for Zelda boy. It's like, Zelda boy, even look. I also feel like, too, that like we, we had also kind of had the dog shit beat out of us like up until that point too so it was your like, first actually, encounter was Strahd dropping like one or two of you yeah, yeah. and, and so. we were like oh no and you that picked was the, the wrong you woke up the wrong like you picked the wrong day I'm I think sorry. the first time we encountered Strahd it wasn't even recorded that was the one where he actually fully bodied us really hard and then every other time we well, got re-encountered well, it him was the, it was the best fight we had with Strahd yeah. until the last one because we yeah. you know he, he, he took two of us over 
is mm-hmm. what it was. Because we were scrapping, but then we lost Scarlet and Zeligor, and we were like, oh no. Like, we all were like, Zeligor and Scarlet are like the two we don't want to ever see get hurt. And we were right. like trying to get them to stop from fucking murdering each other, and Zeligor started hiking off in the distance. So we had to sit there and start hurting each other <laughs> yeah. because we had to knock them out of control. That was like literally two episodes before the podcast because it was like we teleported in, mm-hmm. we went right to that house, met. Uh, Raul and Mo, and then immediately went to the tavern where we picked up the podcast. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, in hindsight, it would be cool if we had gotten those first two. But I don't, I don't know. That was a tense. That was a character tense or yeah. player tense fight. So yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's. I won't. I won't say that it's a moment I hated, but it was one of the scariest moments for me as a player and as Theo was when Nika got taken over. Oh yeah. And it was like. He could just fire. Oh, I'm gonna have. He could fire, but like we he could literally that. like. And he's also. I think he is. He was hasted, as well. So it was like nobody can catch him. He could end us all. And I think that you showed a lot of restraint. He went greater invisibility, and I hate the spell. Yeah, I wanted to make it now. fair. Like yeah. honestly, if I if I did like think about it, what walking up from distance as the blaster mage like, you're all <laughs> yeah, in a fight for the hey dead. it's our buddy you know like if I did if I did just want to kill you guys I could have dropped two of you in the first round but it's yeah, like but Marcus down. did set it up in a way where it's like that wouldn't logically be what Nika would do mm-hmm. I'm fighting six strods you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. if it had been you six I would have been like they don't heal <laughs> yeah. like, I think from my perspective and and playing as Theo it was scary, not because I'm like, oh, my friend is going to fireball me and kill me. It was like, I'm going to have to kill him. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to drop him to, to, to end this, and that fucking sucks. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's very realistic that that would be the fear, because it's like, Nika's, like, in that moment, chicken with, like, his head cut off, you mm-hmm. know? Like, he's not even, like, he's not even, you're not even fighting, like, a... Like, oh, this is Nika trying to kill me. This is deranged. Like, what the fuck is Nika seeing? You mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah. And that, that's the most terrifying thing. Like, can you imagine, like, someone in your real life mm-hmm. doing that? Like, I think looking I, at you and being horrified. And they're just, like, running and scrambling. Like, throwing bombs. <laughs> and I, th- I, think, I think it was a couple episodes before that where the Theo got the reveal of, like, of Nika and Scarlet being romantically involved. And Theo says to Nika, I just want you to know, I won't stop. Yeah, you know, and 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 then like two episodes later, it's like, hey, you remember that thing you said? You got to put your money where your mouth is now, because he's hurting everybody. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, moving on from that, what are some things that we did well? I mean, the horse bit <laughs> <laughs> was really what did really well, but it could also be. The thing that didn't go so well. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's all about perspective. It went perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we did rob Strahd of quite a bit of gold. I don't know why and he just I got to insult that. him. <laughs> he made him feel like a teeny tiny little man. He didn't say. He barely said anything back to Jory. That's how you know he's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bitch boy. <laughs> I think you said that a couple times. Too. Yeah, I did. I did. It was great. I loved it as a player and as Jory. <laughs> Just getting to insult Strahd. Just being broad with it, though. I think that um, going back to again the first few episodes being kind of rough or whatever. I think we, I think we found our pace and our stride, and we were able to keep with it. So like consistency, you know, we've done really really well. I think um, not just as like players, but also as like 
as characters and well. And like, I think we role played really, really, really well. Yeah. It wasn't like as again not you know broken record, but like it became less and less about the dice and more about playing the character. You know, and within this you know hybrid world that Marcus has created as well. Yeah. And that's actually funny. That's pretty much my exact point. I put learning quickly, cause mm-hmm. it, but it's more or less the same thing. Like, we started the first few episodes, and within, like, you know, like I said, first five, six, seven, eight episodes, we were figuring out our, we were figuring out our stride, or what we were doing wrong, what we were doing right, and, you know... Like, kudos to us for at least, like, figuring that out pretty quickly. I mean, episode one, the amount of times we were talking over each other, or there were two conversations going on at once, or conversation happening in the foreground, a conversation happening in the background. Like, you know, we don't really do that anymore. If we do, it's, like, meant... It's it's for character or for RP purposes, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like... I think we've learned each other's cues Yeah, and stuff it's like, like part too, of the yeah. bit for one of us to be, like, in the background and someone be like, hey, what are you talking about? Or, like, hey, you know, like, whatever... We don't just talk over each other anymore, mm-hmm. and that goes into the, like, learning quickly and, like, adapting to pacing and stuff, you know? These are things that take a while when no one in the party has podcasting experience. So, especially podcasting with actual play D&D, because, like you said, role play is so much different when you know you're being recorded. Mm-hmm. In the first few episodes, everyone was being so, like... Oh gosh, we're recorded. Like I don't know. Like oh god. Like don't put I that guess in. Don't I go to the bar. Yeah. Like don't <laughs> put that in. Like don't you know? Like you know that kind of stuff. And it's like no. you know, just be candid with it. You know that's mm-hmm. the fun of it. Like put in the things that you would be like, oh that's goofy or stupid. Don't keep that in. That's part of D and D is the mm-hmm. goofy stupid moments. And I mean when Theo was trying to <laughs> freaking Clarissa, that was the most awkward like bar interaction I've ever had. Like, in general, across the board. <laughs> and somehow, Theo pulled it off, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think that I think that you make a good point that we finally kind of, like... I think we finally freed ourselves to play the role and not perform. Yes. You know what I mean? It felt so... And it's another why reason it's kind of cringy to go back and listen to the first few episodes <laughs> is it's like, you could tell all of us felt like... It felt like not only were we performing, like in character but it felt like we ourselves were performing Mm -hmm. too and you know that there was that change there where it's like everything became much more relaxed i feel like in a way yeah like natural where it's like we are no different than when we were playing before we are still all just playing D D. Every week, you know, for the most part. And the only thing that's different is that at the end of the week, other people get to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought we really showed how well, like... Because, like, in the viewers will never see this, but in the Feywild, to me, when before season one, it, it was, like, almost like, oh, these people are the Mon Squad because they're weird. You know, they're weird and different than the Feywild that is, like, really pretty and nice. And, like, they're just a little edgy, you know? They're a little fun. And then I feel like this sh- all the shit with Shraw and everything there is, like, no, they are monsters. And it's because of the human qualities in them. You know what I'm saying? And it's, like, and like this is how these people, they're how they're broken, you know? And how, because they broke in this way, they 
fight back so viciously and so hard. And, like, if you really, like, just watched all of us in the Shadowfell, it really is just, like, how do you make vicious killing machines in the quickest fashion, you know? It's like watching Walking Dead and, like, getting to season four and you're like, wow, they just can't be stopped now. And you're like, you gotta think of some crazy shit to do something to them. And it's like, now we're back to Capital and it's like, it really is, like, this was the arc where we, like, because the first one we were husked away somewhere, but this was the arc where it's like, we're we're coming back. Yeah, we also we're, chose yeah. to make that trip. And we're and we're going for capital. That's what we're gunning for in-game. And it's like, this whole thing, like, it was just us getting ready. And, mm-hmm. like, it's like we fought, it's like going to Nam to get ready to fight, like, a war with, like, normal people. And then we come back and we're like, dude, we've been in the trenches. Like, we've been in the <laughs> forest with the traps and, like, everything happened is from all angles. And it's like, and they're not keeping up, you know? And it's like, and they're having to adapt to us now. And it's like, because we're the monster, we're like the aliens in the movies that are coming for America. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's, sorry. <laughs> and it's like, in, um, you know, we consciously as a party made the decision to go into the Shadowfell. Like, it's not like some of the other campaigns where it's, you know, other people play Curse of Strahd and they're like, oh, they get whisked away to the Shadowfell. No, our party went, oh, the Shadowfell? Uh, Scarlet's dad, Theo's son just got taken? All right, fine. We'll just willingly walk into this bitch, you know? Like, I mean, I don't really have anything else going on. Yeah, so. it's like, you know, we willingly walked into hell, essentially, just because we felt like, you know, we can do this. And, yeah, we came out with some scars, but it was like, we did it, you know? And it's like the capital thing. We mm-hmm. were like, yeah, we just went through hell. So, yeah, capital, bring it. Yeah, I, I, I think to speak to to Hunter's point, too, like, it did, it, the, it, it became efficient, the way that that we operate as like during combat and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, to speak to the witch, you know, that that we absolutely stomped into a mud hole, you know, that, like that was the first indication that like, oh, oh, they're not fucking around <laughs> like they're, they're literally OK, well, all right then, you know, and I think that's why I describe Theo's fighting style the way I do is like it's like looking at a machine. It's like watching a machine do what it has been programmed and built to do and I mean I think you touched on that too with the edge guards like the prototype has been set you know because mm-hmm. yeah, our truly our greatest weakness was us being not good with what we were doing mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I'm saying like Nika like his great like he he's coming from like from the beginning of the campaign a place of like I don't know if I want to be that that guy anymore. And then he meets super good Scarlet, and he's like, well, I definitely don't want to be that guy. And then he's constantly getting put in these situations where his life's on the line, he's like, well, this is my trigger. This is what I do. Mm. I kill to get through this moment. And it's like, I mean, Nika's now in a place where he's like, I mean, I'm just good with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel bad about that. Like, if you come for me, you're going down. I love these people. Yeah, like, I love these people, and I will literally yeah. do anything. Yeah, like, I'll let my weird grandpa get into my brain and give me powers I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, like, Nika's like, I think Nika, like, he was such a fearful, broken, like, person. It's like, but you break so many times, it's like, I mean, dog, you can't break me anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't give a fuck. You can't make me cry. You can't, like, the voices don't overwhelm me anymore. Like, I am the chaos, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm good with like um that's something i kind of definitely feel like we're really good at is um character development Mm -hmm. because and and that comes naturally through D&D because at the start you know your character but you don't know them that well and over time you get to know them a little bit more and come up with all of that but 
we've definitely done that really well, I think, in this campaign. And, and not just in, like, we got stronger, but also, like, we realized our flaws a little bit and, and are able to, like, grow a little bit. Almost like real people, you know, just that kind of thing. So, I mean, like, Tori was very closed and now she's opening up and, like, that's definitely a flaw. And, and um... Yeah, and Scarlet was very innocent, and now she's and willing I, to kill. Which no, now she's the even, blood mother. That's not even, that's not even it. You know, because yeah. she still does like no, save joking. people yeah. blatantly, and but she's more. She she understands the reality of the world. She's yeah. not naive anymore. Yeah, yeah. Not saying that naivety is a bad no, thing. No, but she's she's woken up. You know, she's not. She's woke now. She, <laughs> she, Sorry, right wingers. This is a woke podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it was like we all very much had masks mm-hmm. like Nika's was denial like Nika was like I want to be a good person and it's like well that's what makes you good Nika it's not the fact that you stopped being bad like that's never gonna not be there like you mm-hmm. kill people Nika like you gotta like deal with that but like if you sit there and say you're the bad guy then you are and that was his reality in his brain, but he was saying, no, I'm not the bad guy, I'll be the good guy. And it's like, no, you're the guy holding the gun, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, but like, that's not all who you are. So it's like finding that, you know, taking the mask off and accepting it. Like, looking at who, who that's what Nika never did, was just go, I'm okay with you being there, monster. You know, like, I had to be that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like Theo, Tori, and Scarlet all had that same, like, that growth, that character mode. Because it's like, I think it was like, it was like one of those arcs that was a little bit, it's like, in hindsight, it's one of my favorites, you know, is the, the, when we were all in the place and Nika was like eating your corruption and the horror stuff and all that. It's like, but like for Nika, that was the moment where he stopped crying about it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he just started, he was a fucking twisted monster and he was just like, all right, I'm gonna ride the wave. You know, I just started going with it. And like, I, I this is me, I walked up to Scarlet as a fucking twisted beast and I was like, hey, we have to talk it out. <laughs> <laughs> For, for Tori, it was like she was trained and raised to be this way, and all of her skills and stuff were, were not hers. It was something she learned from L.E.E. and all that, and like, but being able to come in and take her, you know, knowledge and all of that and make it into her own and not just like mm-hmm. something she was taught by corrupt people. I can use this corrupt knowledge to become a better person and save people, mm-hmm. you know, kind of using it against them in a way. Um, so, yeah, I love seeing everybody's yeah. gross. Yeah. I, th- I think that's important, too, that and it's something that, that Mo helped Thea realize, I'm not just a weapon. Like, I'm not just a sword. I'm not just this one aspect yeah. of, of my being. Right. You know? Um, Mo will forever be missed. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Mo. R.I.P. Yeah. Marcus, what do you think you did well as a DM? We haven't... Me? Mm. Other than, you know, everything. <laughs> Come on, brag on yourself. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> um, I think Marcus did a fantastic job of managing the chaos of what it's like to be in a room with all of us. <laughs> Truly. I do that pretty well. I think I, I think I do that pretty well. Um, Rain it in. 
I mean, you also went about giving every single person a distinct and flavorful kind of own power system and so that people felt unique. I think that's probably what I do best, is trying to make each character and each player feel like that they are actually playing something unique. Because, yeah, you can play a, a Eldritch Knight or a, or a you know Trickster Cleric or, or whatever the case may be, but it's still kind of limiting. And, like, all things considered, you do a lot of the same stuff. You cast spells and you hit shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, minus, like, healing maybe or whatever. There's not. I don't feel like there's a lot of distinction with vanilla D&D, which is why I like homebrew. I love the ability to just be like, uh, no, I don't like that. This is, the, this is what it is now. Or, you know, just completely coming up with something entirely new. Um, which I think I do pretty decently. Innovative, even. <laughs> you made up a whole god lore for Soap's character, so or for Mo. Well, that wasn't all me, though. That was also yeah, but you Sophie. were you were willing to work and like yeah. make make that. Mm-hmm. And some DMs aren't so open. To your yes and you know. energy. Yeah, so. you have a lot of yes and energy. Well, I think that uh, I was going to speak to your point too. Is that uh, I think that you're extremely open to our ideas when it comes to something that like a world that you have created like the whole whip thing you know mm-hmm. that was like an off the cuff thing that happened but being super open to include like our thoughts and you know our roles for insight you yeah. know what i mean into it as well as is makes it super fun to play it, the, to me this this whole thing this campaign and everything more so than anything even without the recording it's more collaborative world building to me because I came to you guys and was like, I have an idea for a homebrew. I have a setting in mind. I've been creating, but you guys are going to flesh it out. Like you are going to be the story. Like, and when I mean, when I say that, I mean like m- most D and D settings, when you play a D and D campaign, there's already this event that's happened, which there's been events that have already happened in this campaign too, but like when you read a campaign book, it's like so and so defeated so and so so many years ago, and blah 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 blah, peace and prosperity or whatever. But no, that's what this story is. This story is the lead up that if people were to play this as a campaign setting, they would see like, well, what is the world like now? Like the final campaign setting is going to be the ending of the story. Like that is going to be the setting. This is the setting. But everything that's happening is changing the world so drastically that mm-hmm. by the end of it, it's going to be entirely new. And I mean, it's going to be like a proper. While world. I feel like capital is big, there's also a whole continent and islands and two other, you know, nations that we have no yeah. idea what their culture is, exactly. what they're about, what Arcanotech or who their leaders are. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much more to explore to it as well. Um, but yeah, I, I like collaborative world building. That that's a really good way to put it. I mm-hmm. think so. Kudos, man. Yeah, thank you. What about things that we did poorly? Talking to my son. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna roast roast Theo right there. Ro- Theo's having a hard time connecting with his. Connecting with his kid. Communication in general was yeah. really lacking season one for the whole Mon Squad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We paid for it in, in a lot of ways, too, I think. 
We had um, multiple conversations about we need to talk to each other yeah. more. Yeah, no, we did not. I think it was also like we were trying to balance how long we were mm-hmm. and trying to get everything into a session yeah. was hard because everybody wants to have their moments yeah. and like not for the most part like there was a lot of times where we weren't able to get those moments in. So I'm not like part I think part of it is because of the setting and recording and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get everything you I want think, in. Yeah, I think we rushed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was also like we had to rush. You know, Sophie was leaving and True. she made it clear she really wanted to try and be here for Strahd. So we had like eight side quests that we really, really wanted to knock out ahead of time. So we were like, let's speed run those. A lot of those were only one or two episodes, you know trying to rush as best as we could to try and get Sophie to make it to the end with us. And, you know, even through all of that rushing, we still didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Like, and because the world is so sandboxy, you know, there's like 101 that's things so we didn't get varied. to do because we didn't really explore, but that's okay because, you know. Season I, I, one would have been over 100 episodes yeah, had we played exactly. the that's, mm-hmm. that's, through the book. That's the thing is like, yeah, we rushed, but it's like in that campaign, yeah. if we hadn't rushed, it would have been probably the most horrendously dra- drug out season. So it's like, it's good that we were trying to rush to for Sophie. It's unfortunate we didn't get a chance to have Sophie here for the end, that we rushed, you know, a lot of it in the hopes of doing that, only to be like three or four episodes shy, mm-hmm. you know? But I do think it does reflect in the audio um, and the quality and, you know, in the first season overall with that, that air of, Rushing. Mm-hmm. And we also rushed to the Feywild. Yeah, we so rushed much, through you know, the Feywild, which I think we were trying to get to the Shadowfell, but it and was, we weren't even recording that. We were just rushing that. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. there's so much we skipped. I think, I think, I think that in the in a different setting, in a more which I mean, this is not a pure D and D setting, and I mean we're all aware of that because of the recording and stuff like that, but. I honestly I like the bing bang boom of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I'm a rambling man, so I don't want to stay in one spot for too long anyway. Um, I think that one of the things that <laughs> one of the things that we did poorly was tie up loose ends, and yeah, I think that has sure. a lot to do with you know again the setting and the you know pacing of it and stuff like that. Like I I think about more than any normal person should about how. You know, there were things that we said we would do. I know, it bothers me so much. And we didn't do, you know, while we were in the Shadowfell. And I mean, I know that's the beauty of, of, you know, D&D and role-playing in general. It's like, we could always go back, you know, um, depending on how merciful our DM is, I guess. Do whatever you want. Um, but tying up loose ends and, and missed, like, some missed opportunities. Like, I really, I think we missed an opportunity... Uh, taking Veronica out when when we had her where we did you know I feel like that was a big missed opportunity but I understand building tension and I know that we're going to see this person soon that's her arch nemesis and it's going down (laughs) like you you took one of our friends from us you assisted taking one of our friends from us forever and that's not okay yeah I don't know what did we do bad I don't really know. I wasn't really thinking about Neg. I didn't know how to play Caritori's class. It's pretty fair. Early on, like, trying to figure out how to play a druid rogue, I, like, was trying to play it like I was a fighter, you know, like, 
damage up front. And I think I realized that um, she's a rogue. She's got to be sneaky. Um, but in, in more of like an out-of-combat character versus an in-combat character. So I think, and overall, I think we all have done that, is learn how to play these classes. Mm-hmm. Um, in a more logistical standpoint. Um, which I guess that's something more that we did well, but at the start, we were bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I, again, you know, this has been my longest experience playing D&D, but like multi-classing... Multiclassing adds a whole nother level of difficulty yeah. of, of trying to not just play the character but play your your you know your class as well and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I was really hesitant to take those take those levels in Artificer, but I felt like the lore was pushing me that way, and I, I, it felt like I needed to not just for Theo's sake but for my sake to add some kind of like flavor to my play style and stuff like that because like playing fighters fun damage is fun but like i want to get weird with it sometimes you know um yeah a self-hate on myself that i just hear when i'm editing that bothers me so much and i know i must do it in real life too is how much i repeat the same thing and i know a lot of it's like you know i i hear people talking so i pause and i go to finish and then I end up saying the same thing multiple times, but other times I just say the same thing more than once. And it's like, I try and edit them out, but it's like, it's some tick I didn't even know I had until I started editing 40 something episodes. I'm going to let you know something. You just said the same thing. Oh, I know. A whole bunch. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just talking about the phrase, the same thing. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It's just something you notice about Mm. yourself when you go back. I, as a musician, I hate editing my vocals. God, it sucks I to hear it. myself I hate editing. hearing myself sing. I don't know why. I've been doing <laughs> it for 20 years and I st- it still just makes me feel weird. Yep. I do think um, just as someone I mean, I, I have the I've probably thrown myself the most into D&D in my like out of our group as a, like once someone who watches it, like I've listened to it for hundreds of hours and I've played in every game I can get myself into the point where I'm like, I've really tried to slow out that. Whenever and, like, he starts when a was, new campaign, he always D&D talks about his character like like he loves it. Yeah. And I think one of my greatest flaws is, is, is that I do too much and talk too much. And, like, I didn't realize it until I started listening to myself, but I hated Nika in season one. He was my least favorite member of the Mon Squad. Every episode I'd listen to, I would just be like, you're doing too much. You're talking too much. And it's, like, it's not even like I was, like, beating myself up. I'd just hear it, and I'd be like, the scene's getting bogged down by it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're slowing down the narrative, and it's like, you're, you're telling one too many jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're treating this like it's you got four hours and we're mm-hmm. sitting here at a table and it's like, you know, and it's like, it's also like, I'm not really playing Nika. I'm playing myself when I do that. You know what I'm saying? Cause Nika, while he's a jokester, he doesn't always deflect with humor. Like he's a more quiet, like he, he, he's a, he's a, someone who's killed people. You know, he's like, he kind of settles down and he just like, just starts focusing more. So it's like mm-hmm. finding that balance of like, just when to be quiet. Like, you don't have to be a problem solver just because you know the most about D&D. Let your friends flounder. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, just listen. Like, let them do other stuff. Like, if you're dead, even especially if you're not in the scene, stay the fuck out of it. Like, I, I struggled with that a lot in the beginning. Like, stay the fuck out of the scene, you know? Like, you don't have to be there. 
and like just let the other characters do mm-hmm. stuff. You know. I I feel like I I had to learn the same thing too. Um, you know, because it, it is like Theo's character is not like me. Theo's character is more stoic. He is more reserved and doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve. He keeps a lot of that, you know, close to the vest. Um, so, I, and I think that that also, I mean, it's a negative, but it's also, I think it adds to the positive of us just role-playing really, really well across the board, kind of learning our characters and, like like you said, learning when to be quiet, learning when, like, you know, like, it, stop, it's not about me. This scene is not about me. I don't have to be there. This is their moment. I can just enjoy it, you know. Exactly. But I think that's that's a personality, like a personal personality flaw, more so than anything, you know. Fafo, fear miss her. Uh, not Fafo. FOMO. 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 Yeah. Fafo. Not fuck around and find out. Fafo. <laughs> fear of finding that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like yes to all of that, and I feel like I also. Or he's like, yeah, you also. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No. Because, no. like, I did a lot of the same things. Like, I would say something as an NPC, and then I would hear it when I would re listen to an episode, and I'd be like, an NPC didn't have to fucking say anything. An NPC could just, like, listen and not. Mm-hmm. You're a cobbler, bro. Shut the fuck up. Who gives a fuck? Go make shoes. <laughs> like, so, but, like. Craig at Walmart's been now, people. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, bro, you're a door greeter. Say goodbye. That's it. That's all you have to do. Um, anyway. Have a nice day. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I feel like I also have a tendency to make a lot of samey characters. And that's something that I'm still trying to work on. Um, I don't feel like I have enough, like... And by samey characters, I mean, like, not enough just genuine personality difference. I feel like I make a lot of the same, like... This is just British accent number one. This is British accent number two. This is British accent number three. I mean, to be fair, when you're balancing like 50 characters, yeah. even as a it's DM, hard. I do it. And it's yeah, also my hard accents to are do. all like three or four variations of the same we, region accents when I DM. We can't yeah. all be Brennanly Mulligan, man. I know. It's, totally like, it's like, it's either deep voice number one for a man or like of deep voice or like high voice number one for women or it's like an a British accent like shitty British accent like it's never like it's there's only like four accents you can do in the moment as a DM it feels like so I I relate to that on a personal level because like to me a lot of like my world building comes from when I get immersed into someone's like uh, populace and and their citizenry and like their locals and stuff like that so like do the elves talk with Russian accents and wear weird pointy hats or something? <laughs> like, Or do the gnomes speak with like a Mediterranean accent and do they just like chill and make spaghetti all day? I don't know. I'm just, I, would, I wanna go hang out with them. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. It's shit like that. that I'm like, oh no, that's sick. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. So, no, uh, it's called Spaghetti Town. Yeah. Spaghetti Town. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I mean, to be fair, your campaign, it was already clear in the Feywild, there's fields of pasta. There are fields of pasta in the Feywild. Just... Uh, that is canon. There are fields of pasta. Uh, there is an entire pasta forest <laughs> that you guys have not found. Um, the pasta domain. You yes, will. Yes, I will eat that whole pasta. I can't wait for you to meet the Archfangs. I can't wait for you to meet the Archfangs. I gotta ask Will about the, the pasta fields. <laughs> oh. If anybody knows about the pasta fields, it's got to be Will. You know who's going to know? The pasta fairians. Oh my god. Where's um, that <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. They don't exist in this material world. Um, 
I've touched his noodly appendage. So, but no, I, I just feel like I, I would love to work on adding more personality to diversity. And, I, and I, again, I don't just mean, like, accents or something like that. I mean, like, a genuine, like, this person's definitely different from that person. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm using the same voice for them, I want it to be a distinction. I want it to be, like, oh, that's not... Wait, is that Seamus or is that Valentino? Fuck. Uh... Uh, they they're both British dudes. <laughs> they use the same <laughs> voice, so but they and they also act the same. Valentino a little different because he's a father and also thousands of years old, or a thousand years old at least. But Seamus Seamus has wacky grandpa energy to me, yeah. and I'm into it. Like, <laughs> no, for sure. He's like, well, when you that Pinewood Derby, well, we're gonna put nitrous in your car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the grandpa that lets you play with fireworks. One million percent. Yeah. What's my five-year-old doing with a Roman candle? Having a good fucking time. Look at him. He's, he's, he hasn't stopped smiling. <laughs> uh, so we're actually going to be moving into what my, probably my favorite portion. Talking lore about characters from season one that are either still alive or dead. <sighs> Whoever you want to talk about. Now this is, is your favorite time. one. I don't remember names. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to remember names. It could be something something as simple as Jessica, Veronica. Well, I mean, I feel like we <laughs> got to get the like the most like blatant ones out there, ones that we've talked about multiple times just in this alone, and that's like Zeligor and Mo. Mm-hmm. You know, we've mentioned them so many times just since the beginning of this recording alone, you know, and we definitely talk about them in season two, so, you know, we, the audience must know <laughs> who they are. Who Mo? Who's Zeligor? Yeah. Um. Who wants to actually take that? Um, you gotta take Zeligor. I mean, Zeligor is um, Theo's former mistress, I guess is the best way to put it. So, uh, Cliff Notes, uh, and we've alluded to this a lot, Theo's very old. He was there at the founding of Capital 1,400 years ago. Um, he was, he died, uh, was killed uh, during the first invasion of Capital that happened on its founding day. Um, <clears throat> he was subsequently turned into a reborn, uh, pretty much a zombie mercenary, uh, by a necromancer who we, we later find out who that is. <laughs> um, and in, you know, a roundabout way, Zeligor happens upon, you know, a friend of a friend of the necromancer and does some work for them. Necromancer doesn't have any pay. Zeligor gets zombie f- in return as, you know, basically bodyguard, reach the top shelf, <laughs> stop talking, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and as a witch, she knew how to manipulate this contract to basically keep him around for as long as she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, they became partners, um, and up until they got dropped in the Feywild were... You know, kind of traveling as a barred mercenary group, pretty much, and making their way downtown. What? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hey, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, found themselves in the Feywild and assimilated into, um, you know, the carnival there uh, and met this group of people. Um, and basically, you know, was you know, a staple of the group for a really long time she and helped, witch lady. Yeah, and helped pretty much helped Zombie become Theo. Helped mm-hmm. Theo regain his humanity, his memories, 
um, thing, you know, and become who you, the audience, and we know as Theo. She's also the next incarnation of death. That I was getting to that. <laughs> um, she she is death's apprentice uh, at this point. Uh, she was in danger for a while. Luckily, she got whisked away by. Um, was it was it the? Uh, she got fucking taken. Well, she I mean, taken by capital. She got yeah. snatched by capital. Yeah. yeah, we don't know where she's at. Um, and I miss her terribly. Yeah, we gotta find out what happened to her. That's like top top of my list. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like the deeper we get into the the dirty, dirty, dirty underground underbelly of, of capital, of capital yeah. we'll, we'll find out exactly where she is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Zelagor is a great character, and honestly, some of my favorite moments from you know season, what we call season zero, and even early on too, with the the dichotomy of of Theo and Raoul, and her being like, "Oh, who's Raoul?" <laughs> and Theo being like, "He's not that fucking cool." <laughs> <laughs> and Raoul just being like, "Drinks for everyone." Right, yeah. exactly. And he is pretty fucking. He's cool. pretty yeah. fucking sick. <laughs> He's kind of cool, yeah. <laughs> to take up Mo. You were like his big you brother saw, in a way. You saw his brain. And you saw, saw his, his brain. Like, um, True. Well. If not, I can take Mo. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so Mo. Okay. Mo is a fragment of the only god native to the material plane of Idlir. And once upon a time. While Mo was doing God things of just whatever they wanted, um, the civilizations of the material plane had their own lives and just kind of like live, coexisted with the God and didn't really interact much. I mean, the God didn't really do a whole lot for them. They just fended for themselves, but they built their own utopias, etc. So the God felt no need to really delve into their societies. Um, but, uh, Eventually, over time, as this world existed, the other planes of existence kind of caught wind of its existence and started influencing their energies into the world. Now, one of these being Hell, a archfiend named Crexus, or at least that's what he calls himself, made a trickster deal with the god, basically saying, hey, you could do a lot more and gain a lot more followers for these people if you would just sunder yourself and give everything that you have to them. And the god said, yeah, right. So they played this game. The god Ethius sundered himself into a bunch of different pieces, uh, and one of those pieces was a great sword that represented war and peace. This is Mo. <laughs> and uh, that's basically where Mo comes from. If you want to like go on like the interpersonal relationships of you and Mon Squad with Mo, I mean, you you're gonna be more familiar with that than I am as the DM. Um, I mean, we ran into Mo randomly. Uh, some vampires were just wielding a sword, and then it came to life. And Nico looked at Mo and said, "Fight those guys." And Mo Mo did that, and so we took Mo with us, and quickly became this strange little brother figure to a lot of us, and. A lot of, like, weird statements, mind melds. We found out Mo was a god. Nika ended up feeling like Mo was, like, a little brother to him because of, well, the sheer chaos in his brain reminded of himself. 
and Mo and Theo really bonded and like I would feel like a real father son kind of way that I it was never really expressed in game but like it definitely had that energy it of were, it yeah. felt like the son you didn't get mm-hmm. you know like are you the son you lost you know just for a second but like it was like a weird representation like because Mo was broken and shattered just like your son was too mm-hmm. so it was like a lot of like that dynamic and it, like it makes sense that you now wield the remains of Mo with the sword. Well, I think that that's one of one of as a player and also for Theo's sake, uh, one of the goals is to find out more about Mo and why the LAE was so adamant about you need to be put in time out. You know what I mean, or you need to be dealt with. Um, which I, I think in the first few episodes, you know, trying to talk to Mo. You know, that role to me is one of my favorite things to do is like, okay, are we in war and peace mode or, you know, and and how close am I to actually having a conversation to that little piece of you that's still in there? Something you You never even mentioned that I think is fascinating is the fact that you were reborn and that's what Mo was. Mm -hmm. And it's like you desperately not giving up on Mo and reaching out to that spark or whatever's left, like... It makes so much sense, and it's sad, yeah. and it's it's but it's hopeful. You know what I'm saying? Because Theo was that little flame that never went out. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like if you and like it's beautiful because I feel like a lot of times, no one reached out for Theo. Zelagor just picked something up. Yeah. You know, I, I think too that there there is a part of Theo that feels like he owes it to Mo. To keep trying, to keep reaching out, to keep trying to find that spark because it it was Mo that was like, I'm not a sword. I'm not just a sword and neither are you. You know? And, it, and not to keep like saying stuff, but this is the last thing I want to say about Mo, but like Mo's story about like like Mo was a just tragic character who had given up on the children they'd made because they were a child who basically had kids like way too young mm-hmm. and it's like well when you start a game and your kid does something wrong you don't just give up on him you know what I'm yeah. saying and it was just this real interesting thing of like Nico was aware that like I'm basically your son and like I need to defather you like because Nico rolled nat 20s on understanding Mo and like going into the craziness of it and it's like it's like the biggest tragedy of Mo is that Mo never got to have that epiphany of what it means to be a father mm-hmm. you know like to look and go you know I wasn't wrong like it wasn't a mistake because that's what Nico wanted to show Mo uh, and, and to be present as well you know not necessarily just an aloof like oh they're they're good you know that kind of situation as you, well you started a game and other people did what you did they played with war not just peace, and that mm-hmm. upset you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, them's the rules. You yep. made the rules, and now you, you wanted to break the game. Yeah. You know who Mo's based off of? Cole from Dragon Age Inquisition. Really? Wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sophie and I were really into Dragon Age at the time, and we were like, oh, Cole's a cool character. So I was like, I love Cole. So kind of based, <laughs> she based her um, uh, base Mo off of that's cool. I, yeah. I'll, you know, he's always saying, like, weird things and, like, mm-hmm. being uh, cryptic as fuck. Yeah. And, like, Wearing big hats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mo didn't wear a big hat. <laughs> well, I was talking about, I was talking about Cole. Yeah, yeah, You know who I, we don't even talk about him anymore, but has traumatized Scarlet's, Scarlet doesn't 
Scarlet's ability to trust Casimir. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Casimir was Scarlet's friend for, like, the whole of the Shadowfell. <laughs> yeah, he was a little bit weird. Yeah, he was a little bit shady. Yeah, he made some questionable decisions. But he never was, like, so bad that she couldn't handle it. You went to... Scarlet went to bat for Casimir a lot. I know. He was her buddy. And he then... Was. And then he fucking... At the end, just goes, you know what? I have a fucking hard on for my sister. And <laughs> he told us point blank. He I'm said doing he, it. You know, he's like, I, I'm going to bring my sister back. I respect her. And we're like, okay, cool. And then we find out more about her. And we're like, Casimir, we should talk about this, whatever. And he's like, no, I fucking, my sister's the most important thing in the world to me, regardless of her psychotic bitch ass nature. Mm-hmm. Brings her back. And then she treats him like shit, like a little, like, uh, servant boy. Like a little piss boy. I know. And he's like, oh, what the heck? I still love you, though. And we're, and then leaves him. And he's like, what the heck? And we're like, yeah, this is what happens, Casimir, when you put your faith in people that don't actually love you. When we all loved you. Scarlet's just like, I loved you. You were my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I cared about I, you. I definitely get the, the hate for Casimir. Like, I would not personally be friends with that dude. However, as DM and just reading everything that he's been through, I'm just like, this poor fucking I know. guy. Scarlet saw that in him and was like, I know not everyone understands, but Casimir's my friend. And then he fucking stabbed her in the back. Dude. I feel like everybody else is that. like, I was like, what the fuck is up with Casimir? Like, what the we're talking about? Like, <laughs> my favorite think, thing. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I think Nika looks back at Casimir as a prime example of like, man. I should care more about therapy and my friend's well-being because, like, I put Casimir off. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to have that talk. You know, like, when he, when he wouldn't touch that thing, that should have been the moment we all were like, Casimir, we need to sit down. We need to sit down right now and figure out, you know, that was quick. You went and did that without even talking to us. So, like, that's unhingedness, you know? Like, if someone does that shit, it's like, that's unhinged, bro. Because, like, think about it. Nika at least listened to you guys when you said, no, don't touch it. Like, Casimir was like, there's no reality where I don't fucking touch it. Dude, he made a beeline for it. He he had already made a decision before he he even met you guys. Yeah, this was his goal before we even knew him. This was, like, his life's goal. Yeah. We just took him on because he was like, I have to do something there. And we're like, oh, cool. I also hate Strahd. Yeah. Yeah. It was the biggest, like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you want to tag along? Sure, buddy. And it's, like, big, like... I might be like cutting myself energy on the side and like we like Nico was just like I feel like Nico really took like when he when we had that final scene with Kazimir, I think Nico was like, Hey, this sucks and I have to walk away now. But it sucks mostly because I feel like I didn't check in, you know, like I didn't. It's like, that friend that it's like, man, if only I had just checked in, maybe he wouldn't have gone and like yeah. Yeah, committed or, that horrible crime exactly. and killed those people. Like yeah. you know, it's like I you let can my check friend, check on your friends, man. I let my friend get caught up in like some cult shit. Like, yeah, you know, like and like it's not like my friend. Like I didn't know him super well, but I did hang with him, and I was like, I could have checked in. I I I understand that, but also I mean like <laughs> he, <up> <laughs> he, he knew he knew what he was gonna do from the onset. Yeah. He, we were a means to an we were Premeditated. a sick, he, we were a means to an end for him. He, we were a, a getting to the Amber Temple safely and yep. doing what I needed to do, and and I mean honestly, he didn't really he didn't really fuck with us after that very much. He was exactly. pretty much just like that's you why know. I didn't cry about it or anything, or Nika didn't cry. But it was one of those things where it was like 
maybe if I'd cared more, mm-hmm. this might not have happened. I feel like that DC would have been super high, though. Like, DC but, 35 yeah. convinced the guy that has the hots for his sister not to resurrect yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. it gives big, like, like May May Wee Wee vibes from Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, that's that's the vibes I was getting. You know, May May Wee Wee just, I, I swear to God, I thought you were talking about, like, a Twitter meme. I was like, what <laughs> No, no, the characters from Jujutsu Kaisen, where it's just, like, that questionable, like, why is that younger brother looking... You guys, hold, you guys hold hands a lot. Yeah, What's up why with that? are you like, sleeping in the same bed, you fucking weirdos? Like, you know, as someone with a sibling who's very close to me, I would murder for my sister. I don't know if okay. I would murder my friends. <laughs> would I, you turn yourself into a lich and bring your psychopathic, homicidal, I genocidal might. sister okay, back? See, if I lived in the world of D and D, I might. I might. Oh my gosh! I don't know if, if I would. If my sister was yeah. fucked up like that. Well, I mean, if your sister was like stoned to death by all the dudes you hang out with yeah, now, and your fair. ears were cut off for it by the guy she was gonna marry, yeah. He probably feels like, I have to but fucking see, do this. But see, imagine then you bring your sister back, and then she ditches you for the guy that got your ears cut off so yeah. that you could mar- she could marry him. Yeah. Like, in what reality was that a good decision, bro? Your sister doesn't fucking care about you. You're a pawn to her. I think at that point he was laying there like, yeah, hindsight 20. Yeah, 20. yeah hindsight 20 and 20. <laughs> He's still laying in a pile of bones yeah. as far as we you know. You guys left him with his crossbow and decision. Yeah, yep. we told him to think about his life. He was just a man who was deeply hurt. Yeah. yeah. And he just wanted the one person back that attached him to this world. Yeah, he had just attachment issues. He got... He got an amazing character arc. Yeah. And, like, like if you think about it, like, that moment where we left him, like, we could have ended him. Yeah. Like, we could have killed him, but we walked out, and he's... He has a chance. Like, I know. He, honestly, I hope we fucking see him. We yeah. left him We left him with the, we're not mad, we're disappointed. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, I would, and, dude, he could pick himself up yeah. by the fucking bootstraps. It'll be sad, and he'll be lonely for a or little bit. Or this is his villain origin. Yeah. Sorry. That, too. Like, he could become One way, way or the other, I want to He could become Gollum. Yeah. Oh man. Constantine, Casimir, you know, the like thing, they're, they're add them to the list. We of haven't people, even talked you know. about Constantine yeah. or Veronica yet. Yeah. Who wants to take that one? Do you want to take those? Sure. Okay. Uh, Tori went to school with some very questionable people because they were in the same situation <laughs> that she was, and um, who knows if Veronica actually was a a student at LAE, but a uh, Constantine was, right? Constantine was in your class. You don't remember seeing Veronica yeah. at all. Who knows about Veronica? But um, Constantine, he was in her in Tori's class. And, and Tori was able to get out. She was one of the only people able to actually kind, kind of escape from Ellie. And I say kind of because <laughs> did she really escape? Um, so, you know, she was able to kind of become her own person outside of that organization um, but, you know, when you're stuck in an organized, or like a, uh, a group, and it's so, like, heavily ingrained in your brain, you're going to, that's, that's your life, right? So Constantine betrayed us, um, we thought Constantine was okay, Tori didn't necessarily trust Constantine, but Tori doesn't trust anybody, um, and he, he betrayed her trust back in the Feywild... Mm-hmm. Him and Veronica. Yeah, both. they burned. They killed Little Oak and burned him to a crisp. Yes. Um, and yeah. R.I.P. Four One Out. 
we we they're they're still there. They keep fucking with us. <laughs> they do. Keep yeah, Veronica was part of the reason Mo died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Constantine is. Like this guy has been Veronica, radio silent. Veronica killed Mo. Yeah, Veronica, Veronica straight up killed Mo. Actually, killed she is the one who killed Mo, and Constantine's just who the fuck knows where he's at. Mm-hmm. Him and his little fucking dog. <laughs> Veronica got massively more powerful. Yeah, and I want to murder her. She went from falling out of a tree like a dipshit to absolutely killing a god. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what they're juicing her with, but it's something. (laughs) She's on that gear. Yeah, she is. She's not Hattie. Thinking about um, notable characters, Uh, there's also uh, uh, Hecate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Tori's friend slash longtime crush slash... Like partner in crime, yeah. Partner in crime, basically. Um, She was dead, we think. Um, And Tori raised her from the dead with a wish. This was back in the Feywild. Um, And since then, there really hasn't been much development with her besides them talking briefly. Another thing I think was a little underdeveloped, just because of us rushing a lot. Um, But yeah, Tori needs to figure out what the hell is going on with her. Girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, she, uh, sh- she's up to some stuff. Like, gets home from deployment. How is deployment? Not anything I can tell you about. That kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, um, Hal is another oh, uh, yeah. character Hal. that I, I was super cool, super fun. Like, I love the concept of interplanar traveling, half cyborg guy. You know, sorry, hell, yeah, um, <laughs> didn't mean to take your thing, wish <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, that was fucking hilarious, and it was actually, it was, it was, it was cool to see some genuine panic mm-hmm. from Hal in that moment, too. It was like, oh, he's not super cool, comic, he's not a cucumber anymore, <laughs> like, he, oh, he's serious. This is okay, so hey. briefcase, huh? Yeah, if we're talking about him, there's also Eliwick. Yep. yep. She's, you know, the reason we all met each other in the Feywild, and she came, well, tried to come, well, almost all of us, yeah. She tried to come through to save Mo, and just, you know, even with all those hands and extra, you know, assistance, we just, it was, we couldn't do it. But she tried to come through to save Mo. She did. Bro was, or Mo was fated to die. Yeah. Mo was fated to die. And That's how you exit. I hate that Mo was fated to die, but Sophie literally goes, kill Mo. Well, they said, or have them, like, be or taken have them or something, taken. which I would have preferred to dying, but that's okay. <laughs> Mo can die, I guess. <laughs> we still got Mo. I don't yeah. know. We need yeah. the stakes, man. Yeah, Veronica, right. Veronica was sitting over there with her, like, fancy new sniper rifle, and she was like... I don't want to run into that sniper all of rifle. Our, all of our people are dying because they're fucking them up. Take the shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mo's out there, like, slaughtering slaughtering yeah. contingencies yeah. of soldiers. Full, like, like battalions of soldiers. Yes. Full fucking And, and Mo was the target. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Mo was the target. It's unfortunate. It's it really exactly is. what Nico would have done <laughs> if he was the sniper there. It's what snipers do. Veronica, we had a sniper up and she mm-hmm. was unseen. She was hidden. Um, I feel like there was a character I had in mind, but now I can't remember who it was. Oh, uh, someone who's been brought up many times Manti. Oh, I can't I Manti wait for, a while. for more Manti interactions. I love um, Manti. Which, they are coming. There's a lot of, uh, of, of story there with Manti and the extra conflux, which is your, 
you know, your whole just attachment there with your aberrant mind subclass. So <laughs> the, it's gonna happen, but it's just, ooh boy, it's just one of those things that when it happens, it changes things for a lot of your subclass, so. Along those lines, too, there's Carter. Yep. Carter, and just to bring up, like, the three things, like, kind of vying for Nika's, like, kind of, like, attention, Matt Maggie is, like, if you think about it, it's, like, Maggie represents that that witch coven, mm-hmm. and then it's, like, Carter... Maggie actually represents the family. Well, the, I guess that's a fourth factor. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite things, I mean, my favorite thing about Nika is the first character I've ever had where it's, like, there's no plot, it's just a puzzle. Like, I don't, I don't know anything. I, I told Marcus a bunch of random things yeah. in the beginning, and then I said, but Nika doesn't know any of this. Yeah, and then you were like, go crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was so, like, oh, here we go. So that's fun. It was great. It's whoever the fuck is in Tori's head. Yeah. She doesn't want to explore. Rock god. Oh, that's going to be so much fun when you guys start figuring the out. The rock god. The rock god. Um... Tori doesn't like people in her head. Yeah. The, the little facade falls. Hello, we can finally meet face to face, and the light shines, and the portal opens, and you just hear chugum, 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 chugum. <laughs> you just see some like kind of pot belly dude with a mohawk come out. Yeah, the rock god. Whoa, I'm the god of hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Tori's like, I'm glad I didn't talk to you sooner. I'm rock. Let's roll. Like, <laughs> look like you smell bad. I do very. Pungent. Like, that, no, I'm just kidding. That's not the guy. You are oh not God. getting powers from Guy Fieri, but worse. <laughs> um, why Fieri? Why Fieri? Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, there's just so many cool characters that have to be fleshed out in the future. Absolutely. I think that's actually all the time we have, though, coming to an end with characters there. But that was really fun, though. That was really, really oh, fun. Yeah. I love getting an insight. I, I love doing these roundtables. I like... I, I, I love lore. I do, too. Give me the lore. Yeah. If I could just have entire room. sessions yeah. of just talking about the lore, I would. But then there'd be no game. <laughs> um, but then what are the dice for? Exactly. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. We hoped you enjoyed this episode of Mon Squad D&D. If you did, please consider subscribing to the podcast and leave us a comment to let us know your favorite part of the episode. As always, a big thank you to Bree Beecher, our editor, Caleb Martin, our musician, and Lily Bluen, our artist. We'd also like to thank our players, Bree Beecher, Caleb Martin, Hunter Parker, Lily Bluen, and our DM, Marcus Hurston.